everyone. Welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery. It is the podcast where we watch the movies that you have told us to watch. And I am your host, John. With me, as always, my brother in Christ, mm, Jeff. That's me. That's what we are, brothers in Christ. That's right, right here, recording in the desiccated body of Jesus Christ himself. We're the two fish that he made to feed a mass. And now we're inside of him. Uh-huh. He, well, he ate part of it, too. I mean, that'd be kind of weird if he didn't, right? If he was like, all right, assembled mass. Here's the, here's this weird fish I doubled. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to have a sandwich. Uh, there's an Arby's right there. I don't know if, I don't know how you guys didn't notice the Arby's. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get that. You guys, you guys are, you guys are good with the fish, though, the right? Bread, the fish and the bread, right? That's what it is. You guys want the fish and the bread? All right, cool. Okay, yeah. I'm more of a turkey guy. I'm, I don't know. I'm the... thinking Arby's. <laughs> oh, this time around, uh, rolled up a couple movies, and we are watching or have watched actually. Yeah, no, we're definitely going to sit down and watch it right now. Right with now, you all. here we go. In complete silence, we mm-hmm. will be watching 1982's The Toy. Mhm. With uh Richard Pryor. Yeah. Now this is I have not watched a lot of Richard Pryor movies, I'll go ahead and say. That's fair. Uh this is of course one of the famous ones. Yeah, yeah. Where the premise is he gets purchased as a toy for a rich kid. Yes, yeah. Uh and it's Maybe the worst Richard Pryor movie. I don't know. Maybe reserve. It's possible. It, yeah, I got to reserve a slot for uh, Superman three in there, which has some redeeming characteristics, but not enough. <laughs> and I got to say, there are a lot of disturbing parallels between that movie and this one, both directed by Richard Donner. Yep. Yep. Uh, both showing that Richard Donner does not know what to do with Richard Pryor at all. No. And I mean, Ned Beatty in this, who uh, was in uh, Superman, Superman one and two. Yeah. So we got another Superman parallel there. Yeah. Got a lot of Superman stuff in this. Yeah. Weird, wild stuff, but not, I mean, mostly more weird than wild in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. The, (laughs) I mean, the movie, before we get into the whole, you know, spoiler review, which we will do, Mm -hmm. I gotta say, I, honestly, outside of just the, like, one sentence a kid buys Richard Pryor as a toy. Yes. Like, I knew nothing about what was going to happen in this. Yeah. And it definitely went places I did not think it would go. Yeah. The and toy is... The... It's it's just one of those movies that I was like, oh, I didn't really have a lot of expectations going in here, and I don't know that it met them in any way. No, it's a very weird movie. I mean, I had I saw Scott Schwartz's name on the list, and I was like, oh, we're like old hats with Scott Schwartz at this point. Oh, good. Yeah, because we, you know, I, I made John watch A Christmas Story a while back, so he knows that, and he knows about his famous post-childhood porn career, yep. and then he shows up in a wrestling Christmas miracle, which makes him a twofer for us, <laughs> um, but but here he's the kid again. I think he's younger than he is. This in is Christ- his first yeah. film debut. It should have been his end. He is so high-pitched and annoying. I mean... I feel like he is not the worst part of this film. No, no, of course not. I mean, there's a long list. Yeah, for me, I hadn't seen the toy either. And this is a movie where it's the fourth movie I think of when I think of the words of the toy. So if, you, if I hear the toy, I'm like, oh, wait, is that the leg was? No, that's the pest. Is it the nerd? No, wait, that's uh, that's Steve Martin. Is it toys? No, no, that's Robin Williams. Yep. See, that's the first one I go to. <laughs> when I hear the toy, I was like, with Robin Williams? No, that's toys. All right. Yeah. So also Ned Beatty, uh, also in Toy Story three. Oh, so another yeah. toy movie yeah. for him. Yeah. He was Lotso Huggins Bear. That's right. Which is very weird. Like I'm so used to seeing him as a sort of 
hapless put upon dope because the only movies I've ever seen him in are Superman movies and this. I mean, <laughs> maybe I should probably watch Deliverance at some point in my life. Eh. <laughs> if anyone suggests for that to go onto the list, by the way, no. <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> there are times where people will suggest things to go onto our list of movies, and I'm like, you know what? Nah. Either this is too good, mm-hmm. or just I don't want it. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I, I can see there's a few things where people are like, oh, there's a famous shocking scene in it. Like, I'm sure you've probably seen requests for like Irreversible or something. You're like, no, no I'm not going to have a discussion about the brutal nine-minute rape sequence from Irreversible. I don't need that. Yeah, that's not a thing we need in my life or this show. Yeah. And also, just no Gaspar Noe movies. <laughs> I don't remember if he directed that or not. I just don't like him. Great. I just wanted to get that out there. Just also a no <laughs> to that. Yeah, so so anyway, this is I don't it's weird. It, it it feels like it's missing a lot of bits. It's and it's odd because I know that this is like a fairly well beloved movie. Yeah. But you know, it doesn't have a great rating on IMDb. It's sub six. It should be. It's not good. No, it's not. But the thing is, it's also a movie that I'm like, I feel like, you know, I definitely saw it in like movie rental places when I was younger. I'd be like, okay, that's a movie that I've seen. It's got a recognizable box art to it. Yeah. And it is also one that like comes up when people talk about prior. Yeah. Like I always, when I think of prior movies, I, I go right to Blazing Saddles, which he is the he wrote for, and then all the Gene Wilder pairings. Yeah. Like those are the good movies. I, this is, I thought this was going to be one of them. I kept I, wondering, I was like, where's Gene Wilder? Well, that's what, I mean, I picked it because we have had a streak of ultra low budget, absolute trash films recently. Yeah. A lot of turkeys in the past couple of weeks. So when I rolled up, I was like, oh, we can watch The Toy, a movie that anyone has heard of, or like The Vampire Vampire Lives, number three, The Vampire Returns to be a Robot. And I'm like, you know what? (laughs) You know what? (laughs) I have watched too many absolute trash films in the last couple months. I'm putting my foot down. We're going to watch The Toy. And then I was watching it and went, oh, man. Yeah, at least the if we'd watch that one, I think that's the movie that has uh, off-market Chinese RoboCop in it. Yes. So, <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't say the movie that has off-brand Chinese. Ah, movie. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, we are going to go ahead, play a little music. We're going to come back. When we do, we are going to do the full spoiler in-depth review for 1982's The Toy. back it is time to talk about the toy Mm, the very toy indeed but first how you doing how am i doing i don't care that's reasonable i I don't either we've been hanging out for the past couple hours so i I know how you're doing and i'm not asking for anyone else i don't care about anyone else (laughs) well i don't care about them finding out how you're doing I don't want the audience a, to know how you're doing. I don't feel like that's an especially mean thing to wish upon the audience, so I feel like I'm okay here. It's mean that you don't want them to know how I'm doing. Yeah. How yeah. dare you? I know. I'm the worst. So uh, so anyway, yeah, how you doing? Oh, shit. Oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> Stop the recording. Uh, so, uh, so the toy, huh? Yeah. 1982. Now, uh, 
This is a movie where Richard Pryor mm-hmm. is... Full stop. This where is a Richard movie where Pryor, Richard Pryor is. <laughs> Richard Pryor is in this movie. <laughs> it's, it's so weird to have a movie set up Richard Pryor in a certain way and then just have him be Richard Pryor and not be that way. Because this movie's like... It's got a disjointed problem. Yeah. It's more than one, really. Because they set him up and it's like, oh, he's, you know, he's in the... Uh, takes place in Louisiana. They made it so that it's in the fake uh, city of Bates. Yes, yes. At Bates, Louisiana. And he's hanging out at like... Uh, a backyard party at the start of this movie. Yeah, there's um, just like a little backyard poker thing where people are, everyone's poor, and they're betting things like a dollar's worth of food stamps. Yeah, and, and uh, some dog food coupons, just stuff like that. And so there's a lot of back and forth going on between them about the, the very, the, oh, like, you know, uh, I'll eat dog food. I don't care. Put that in, put those coupons in there. That's good meat. That's pure horse. That kind of joke, you know? Yeah. And we get, you know, some fun little bits because at least with that, it's more of like, Oh, it's Pryor just sitting there and doing some jokes. And that's fine. That's what he's best for, yeah. Yeah, that's what you want. But and then, you know, we find out, like, oh, he's got, like, $10,000 that he owes to get his house, which was left to him by his parents, mm-hmm. but they also had not paid it off. And he hasn't worked in a while. He's writing a book that hasn't really gone anywhere and we'll find out later that he's also a journalist and of not some writing kind. a book because that that plot gets <laughs> dropped after the initial five minutes. Oh, yeah. The first thing we hear is like, oh, I'm writing a book and just you wait. Once I finish that book, the publisher's going to give me money. Everything's going to be fine. And then after that, never mentioned again. Yeah. The closest you get from that point is there's a part where he's arguing with someone in like a job line. And he's like, no, I do have a job. I'm writing a book. And they were like, writing a, jo- writing a book is a thing you do so you don't have to get a job. That is an excuse, not yeah, a, job. Not a job. Yeah. So, so yeah. It, but it's weird because they just forget about that. And and the important thing you want to get across about this character from the early days is that he's about to lose his house. Oh, yeah. That he's got a very serious wife who who's a, 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 a lawyer for the impoverished who specifically spends most of her time volunteering for an organization that tries to watch and monitor the Klan in Louisiana. Yep. And that he is a serious man. Like, he starts this movie with a full beard, college-educated, says he paid his way through college waiting tables. Uh, but then, anytime he's left to his own devices for even a second, he just turns into a goof-em-up type, like, clown. It, it, it's so weird. Yeah, the fact that they're like, oh, we're trying to set this up as he's so down on his luck, he's about to lose his house because yeah. the bank is going to take it back. Yeah. Like, he needs thousands of dollars in order to pay it off but at least if he can get a job they can try and stop the bank from foreclosing on it yeah if they can make just make some payments then that that'll help save the day and so the setup for it of like oh okay there's a reason that this guy would then essentially accept the offer to be a kid's toy yes is because he is in the most dire of straits and it's this point where you're like oh he has to do this and that's fucked up for him but then also it's like oh he gets a job and just immediately is like i'm gonna break everything in here and fuck it up and not do anything right and just just goof off constantly it's not that i it's just it's wild because it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense anytime he's in a room with someone talking to them they'll be like look uh, we don't have work for you um because we don't have work and he's like it's because i'm black isn't it and you're like 
like, no, that's not why. But then they'll like lead into that. But then the moment they're like, fine, here's a job. He's like, well, what if instead of doing that job, I pretended I was in the Super Bowl and ran around and fell down and popped a balloon? Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I'm like, if you want me to really feel for this character, you need to not make him be like, oh, I see why you're unemployed. You're the worst. Yeah. And you don't do anything in your job. Yeah. I get it. It's you shouldn't so, be employed. It's weird. This is a movie that has, you have a little kid in it, and the little kid is probably, I, I would say the little kid and Fancy are the two characters. She has a mean spot. There's one point where she's really, really mean. But beyond that, the little kid is, he's acting up because no one's ever raised him in any way, as far as we can tell. Yeah. Uh, and so it's not his fault, but every other character sucks. Every other character. Yeah. No, it's, it is a world full of shitty people, and then, like... And then it just ends. And then it ends, and no lesson was learned. And it is unfortunate. The... When uh, Pryor plays Jack, Jack Brown... Uh-huh. And so he tries to go get a job, like, he's on his little bike, and they... When they were playing the game, they heard, oh, there's a, a job opening at a car wash. Yes. And to establish that it is super tough times, it's very hard, the line to apply for just this one job at a car wash is, like, down the block. Yeah, and he just tries to ride on past it and gets, you know, hurled back for his troubles, showing that, mostly establishing that whenever he puts headphones on, he is completely oblivious to the world, which is, I guess is a character trait, but it's only a character trait that lasts until he gets hired on as the kid's toy, and then he never does that again. Yeah, and there's not a lot of stuff that, feels like jokes that land particularly well in this no like there's a bit in this where he's riding around on his bike and he has his headphones on we're like oh he almost gets hit by a train because he's not listening to anyone and he doesn't notice the train coming and oh there's a point where he like stops to let a dog go past and creates a big pile up behind him and then a lady walks by and she says hi very like normally to him and he's just like oh hello hi there and you're like oh, i get it because he sees a pretty lady ah he'll pay attention if it's a pretty lady <laughs> yeah yeah but um, i hated that scene i mean yeah there's got that one joke in it and that's that's fine and it does have some some shots like there's a shot of him crossing a, a train uh while there's a, a big train nearly coming after him and people standing on it trying to wave him off the tracks he just doesn't notice uh or the shot of the cars being piled up after the fact. But there's also a good two or three minutes in that scene of him riding his bike downtown of just him peacefully riding his bike. And they were like, ah, eh, pat it. So it, they just ADR in a bunch of people being like, that guy's crazy. Hey, I'm get out of the road. I'm going to crash my car. Bark, bark. I'm a dog. <laughs> <laughs> like just, oh, a, hey. just an episode of America's Funniest Home Videos when they didn't have a lot to work with. You know, and he, they had to really rely on Saget for this week. Just Saget, there's a, here's a shot of a guy riding a bike. Make it work. Oh, I pooped myself. I'm doing it. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is, both... Richard Pryor and our other big main character, uh, U.S. Bates, the main rich guy, is Jackie Gleason. Mm -hmm. And both of them are both known for and said in this movie, there was a lot of just them improving stuff. Yes, you can tell. Although in that scene, it's barely him improving. He's just riding around on his bike and they decided to use every chunk of it. No, I just assumed that they were like, ah, oh, whatever. We'll just point a camera at people and whatever goes on to film will be used. It's in the movie. <laughs> Like, I get the impression that this movie was entirely based off what if a black man got bought. 
Uh, technically, it's based on a French film. Oh, okay. About just what if a guy got turned into a toy. Oh, okay. So it didn't still have the 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 black element to it. Which, no, but when, this movie's got the undertones. You know, that's pretty. That's a pretty strong undertone. A man is purchased in 1982. Oh, yeah. in Louisiana. No, when the I mean, when the negotiation when like the kid goes to the toy store and he's working in there and decides he wants him. When they're negotiating what his pay is going to be, there is a Confederate flag in the background. Yes. Like, it is it is not a subtle hand no, that they, they use here. They definitely, I'm sure when they saw the French film, they're like, we could use this. And since it's America, we have a way to use it extra powerful. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, well, what if we set this in the South? Yes. Um, of course, it, it doesn't work that way. Because you never get the impression that the kid actually purchased him. You you get the impression he is being hired to hang... He's basically a babysitter. Yeah, and it's... The kid... The whole premise is... Uh, U.S. Bates... Li- you know, lives in a town and named after his family. Ridiculously wealthy. Like, ultra-billionaire type. And he is going to see his kid for one week. Yes. And you can tell that this is... He has his child for, like, one week... A year. Yeah, and most of the rest of the time, like, we don't know if his mom is in the picture in any way. We get a Well, he's had two, pre- two ex-wives. Two previous wives. One of them we establish is in a loony bin in Colorado Springs. But they never mention his birth mother in yes. any way. No, not at all. So we don't know. But we do know the kid's in military school. Yeah. He is in a all-boys military school that mm-hmm. he just stays at. Yeah. And apparently, like, once a year... He gets a week with his dad and his dad during that week has scheduled like three business parties <laughs> yes. for some reason. Yeah. Just he, he's got a real busy schedule and he's already planned to pack the kid off to uh, Six Flags with his new wife. So he's just his, his plan with the kid. He, like th- this movie doesn't really paint a very comprehensive picture of what Jackie Gleason's character is. We know he's a rich Republican asshole. We know that he owns like a owns a ton of shit in Louisiana, including the Bates grocery or uh, department store, which is the the scene setting for the middle part. Yeah, of the you film. can you can see a bunch of things like a Bates oil place and Bates department store. So he's basically like the head of a giant like we own a bunch of different types of businesses. Yes, but he he is constantly talking about how he's super excited that his son is home for the week. And that this is, he's like, oh, I son. love my son. I, can't, the... I can't wait for him to come home for the week. And then he doesn't want to deal with him at all. Oh, yeah. Because you can tell the last year that this happened, uh, his new wife, Fancy, is the one that took him all the places. Mm-hmm. Because uh, his kid, Eric, says like, oh, I, I want to do some stuff, but I don't want it to just be Fancy taking me places. And there's another scene where he goes and sees Fancy and she's like, all right, where am I going to take the kid? So, you know, last year it was just. Oh, I'm going to pawn my kid off on my new young wife. And it's it is again this weird thing of, oh, I'm so excited for my kid to be here, but I will not spend time with him yeah. in any way. Or really engage with him beyond being like, "Welcome home, son. Now, you know, go to your room full of toys and leave me be." Yeah. It's it's very weird. I there's there's a lot of tra- traits to this character that I don't get, like how he loves to set up a complicated domino array and he hates it if it ever gets knocked down. Yeah. Dude, pick another hobby then. <laughs> oh, I mean, and maybe put it somewhere that isn't just like, oh, I put it on the top of a pool table I for some reason. I put it everywhere in my office. My whole office is full of this domino array. Don't touch it, and I'll never touch it either. And the important thing is that it's set up that way. And I'm like, no one would ever have that. Uh, I, 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 if, you want, if he has a weird, pri- priceless, fragile collection, that's one thing, but 
Just dominoes? Just an array of regular dominoes? It's a weird trait, but it was one of those things where you're like, oh, it's a very easy shorthand of, ah, a thing for a bumbling person to knock over. Yeah, it just reminded me of the great scene in in, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation where uh, Cousin Eddie or whatever his name is hits that that random bit of decoration and it just falls apart in front of him. It was that. Because at least then you're like, what is that? I don't know, some bit of Christmas decoration. It makes sense that it's there. Not a room-wide display of dominoes that you're not allowed to touch. (laughs) (laughs) But... Jack gets uh, a job initially from Mr. Morehouse, who works for Bates for the company. He goes to get a job as a cleaning lady. And, you know, obviously they're like, no, you can't have a job as a cleaning lady. And then when he mentions that, oh, well, my girlfriend is a lawyer and she's real litigious about this kind of thing, Mm -hmm. then... You can see him just go like, oh, well, I don't want to get sued, so here's a job. Yeah, Ned Beatty is essentially spending this movie being a racist coward. Um, <laughs> he tries to be nice to Jack Brown, but obviously his first thing is to be like, absolutely not, I have no jobs for black men. Well, I mean, it's the, this is for a, a woman, we yeah. aren't going to give it to you, not based on race. Yeah. All of the other cleaning women are black. But also we have no jobs of any kind, that uh, uh, of any other kind. This is the only job for black people at all, and it's for a woman, so sorry. Yeah, well, I mean, the whole point of this is to say there are no jobs. The world that the toy takes place in is apparently an ultra-recession. Yeah. Where, like, even one shitty job is going to have a million applicants. And it's dead out there for even the executive-level people. Oh, yeah, because they talk about, like, any of the people who got fired from Bates who were like, oh, yeah, I was, like, a VP or whatever, and... Like, oh, what? It's so unfortunate that this guy got, he's a, a husband and he's got kids and whatever. And I'm like, dude, he was an executive at some fucking company. He will be fine. Yeah, he'll just you do not need one. to worry about just, Mr. VP. He'll just skip on down to the country club and be like, ah, yeah, I know you say you wouldn't insult me with a job offer for your company, but go on, insult me. Yeah. He'll just do that. Uh, anyway. Uh, but yeah, so. Obviously, this is just a setup for jokes because he gets the job as the cleaning lady, but then they like tell him he has to shave, so now he has just as a big Richard Pryor mustache and no beard, and they make him dress like a maid, so he's in a lady outfit the whole time. Yeah, he gets that classic like French maid outfit. Yeah, and get it instead of just that's the joke. Instead of putting him in a janitor costume or something, they're just like, nope, you gotta. Well, it would be easier to get you a janitor co- co- uh, outfit from the janitor closet. But instead, we're gonna we're gonna make a maid costume for a six foot three guy and stick you in that. Yep, and that makes perfect sense. I get it. slapstick comedy. It's just weird. The setup is weird. I mean, that I had no problem with because I was like, yeah, I get it. That's the joke. The joke is we put Richard Pryor in a dress. Isn't that funny? Yes. Okay, great. I understand. But then immediately, his first job is to serve chicken to the like board of executives. At this meeting. And right away, he's already lost the thread. And he's just goofing off instead of... Yeah, like, he serves so one person normally. He like, yeah. oh, I'll take the tongs, put some chicken down on a plate. And then the second he does one, he's just like, and now to just take tongs and fling it around, do a behind-the-back thing at people. I'm like, oh, there's a reason you don't have a job. You're shitty. Start making jokes about chicken. You, you, like, I feel like this would have worked better. And I know I'm not trying to just second-guess Richard Donner and Richard Pryor. Obviously, they're important. They're, they're great people. But like... Why isn't he just fucking up instead of intentionally fucking up? Why, like, if he's just, if he was just tripping on things or the tongs were slippery or something like that, but instead he's like, 
He's like, well, I gave one piece of chicken to one person. Now it's some me time. Yeah. And especially when you're like, it's not even a, like a small, like, oh, or just giving out chicken to like random dudes who come in. You're like, this is a board of executives for the company that there, you work at. There's like 80 people in there. The fact that you would then just be like, and now it's fuck around time. You're like, no, you're immediately fired. You're, <laughs> you are a grown ass man. You should know this. I've been fired from more jobs than I've had. And I, even I am dead serious on day one. Like day one, you're like, yeah, I got to watch everyone. Going to make a good first impression. I'll fuck around later. Yeah. But instead, he absolutely fucks around throwing chicken. And then, of course, we establish U.S. Bates, our main uh, rich guy, when he sits down at the table, instead of scooting his chair forward to be there, he pulls the table to him. Big power move, and now everyone's plates get, like, shuffled, and now no one's where they should have been. Instead of just sliding their plates down one to the left, like everyone is absolutely... They're gobsmacked. Just like, what? How, wh oh, what I, do I, I do instead I of the, just scooch? I had the plate with four eggs. No, you took my plate. I'm going to try and reach oh, over. Oh, I need to get this uh, plate. I'm pretty sure my plate's across the table from me. No, that wouldn't make sense. The table wasn't pulled and uh, it wasn't spun. It was pulled away from you slightly. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to reach got, over there. I'm going to uh, Table got pulled about four inches to your left, my man. How about you scoot four inches to the left? <laughs> yeah. But instead, everyone just loses their shit. This includes Jack Brown, who decides... Oh, I know how to fix this for everyone. I'll pull the table back to where it was. Yes. And again, just one of those, what are you doing? Yeah. What, just, who just does this? Why are you making waves immediately? Because he's, he's like announcing, oh, 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 I can fix this. Everybody, I can fix this. I'm the guy who can fix this. It's me, the guy looking over here at the big dude in the maid costume. I can fix this. Uh, now, of course, Bates calls him over. And it's like, oh, you dumb idiot, you're fired. Yeah. But he tells him all of this quietly, and in one of, I think, two jokes that actually made me be like, ha, that's good. He gets fired by him, but then he goes back to Morehouse, who was on the other side of, side of this giant long table, the person who hired him, and he's like, oh, what did Bates say? He's like, oh, he thinks I look sexy and he loves my work. He's glad you hired me. Bye. And just leaves. And I'm yeah. like, that's a great gag. It is. He didn't announce you were fired. So you just tell the guy in charge that you weren't. I did like the, uh, the Bates talking to him and being like, you, uh, you're very tall for a maid. Uh, thank you. Yes. You have a very hairy upper lip. Yeah. Yes, I do. We don't like our maids to have extremely hairy upper lips. No, I, I understand that. Uh, shave, please. Okay. Okay. I can shave. And after that, of course, you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a well-delivered line. Uh, but yeah, so now we jump to him, be his actual role of being like a cleaning person. He's in the mall in the middle of the night cleaning, He's vacuuming up at the like displays in front of yeah, uh, windows. He, and he stuff. maybe vacuums for eight seconds before he gets bored and just starts fucking around with things in the mall. He's got big old headphones on. So if anyone were to happen to stumble into the room during this time, obviously he would, they, he wouldn't hear them and he continued to bumble about. Yeah. So he'll take a football from a mannequin and then. Pretend he's in the Super Bowl and throw a football at two mannequins and have them break and fall down, and he will walk away from it. Mm -hmm. He'll be like, oh, good thing no one's here. And then he'll walk away from it and get into a big workout rolling thing, and it'll start flipping out and rolling him all over the place and breaking shit. He gets into the Wonder Wheel, a giant inflatable wheel that you could hold on to and go rolling around. And he does, and knocks over a bunch of stuff and ends up deflating it. And then 
the like, thing I, has a whole thing where he's like, no, Wonder Wheel, stay with me. Where's your heart, Wonder Wheel? No. And I'm like, okay, good, great. You're doing a, a whole lot of <laughs> nonsense here. My, my thing, this is the thing. I really want to, I, I don't know how to convey this well. Because we can we can hit the basic plot points of the movie and talk about the really weird things that this movie says without bothering to deal with in the slightest. But one thing I, I want to say is, whenever Pryor's on screen, he is just muttering at a fucking Popeye level. It's he is strange. never not just rambling on about something under his breath. So when the Wonder Wheel scene, he's like, oh, the Wonder Wheel, I'm having fun on the Wonder Wheel. Oh, here goes the Wonder Wheel. It's going to be just it's gonna be rolling. I don't want to be rolling. I wish the Wonder Wheel wasn't rolling. And I'm going to roll. Yeah, I just wish the Wonder Wheel. Well, I guess it stopped. Okay. But, oh, no, it's broken. The Wonder Wheel's broken. So please don't die, Wonder Wheel. Don't die. The Wonder Wheel's go. Oh, it's starting to fall apart. Please don't fall apart, Wonder Wheel. I'm going to. I'm just like, shut up. Just say one line. Well, you can. It's how you can really tell, like, Oh, what's the shit that he was reading from a script? And what's the shit where they just let him do whatever? Yeah. Because when he's saying a line that's from a script, he is delivering it well. He is saying it perfectly at a normal tone of voice. And it's fine. And he's acting fine. But the second they're like, all right, do whatever you want. Just fuck around for a minute. Just mumbling and occasionally swearing under his breath as he like starts a bit and then stops it and then goes into a different bit yeah and then stops that and never finishes a joke this movie is it's funny because he it ends up being a movie where he has like a heartfelt relationship with this little kid that we're about to to, to really introduce but uh but other than that it is exhausting how huh. much time he spends just randomly chattering about nothing true uh, now while he has been fucking around in the store, just sort of destroying everything in the place that is ostensibly his place of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Bates shows up, the little kid, and haha, ha uh, people refer to him as the young Master Bates. Yeah, and hey. there'll, there'll be one line where where uh, where Jane, or Jack Brown gets to laugh about that. Yeah, he'll be like, yeah. <laughs> What's funny about that? What is funny about my son's name? There's something amusing about the size of my automobile. <laughs> she has a friend, you know, <laughs> in Continentia. I mean, that. Inst- see how those both do a great gag afterwards? In this one, they just go, "Young, this is young Master Bates. And he goes, ha, 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 ha. What's funny? Nothing. Da, 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 da. No <laughs> jokes. Uh, the So the kid like is getting taken into the store because he was be- he was promised by his dad that he could have anything he wanted in the department store. Yes. And of course he sees Jack Brown just absolutely fucking around and being just a complete clown mm-hmm. and goes, oh, that guy. I want that guy because he seems weird and interesting. Yeah. Everyone else that I've ever met has probably been a fucking executive or a nanny. So... This is the most interesting person I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and of course, we can't just do that. That'd be nice and clean. Obviously, he's being escorted around the place by Ned Beatty and a, and a cadre of about six other yes-men. So they're like, oh, you want the Wonder Wheel? Okay, let's get another Wonder Wheel out of storage. We've got to inflate the Wonder Wheel. The kid no, wants the I Wonder want Wheel. the Black Wheel. Man. Wonder Wonder Wheel. Oh, he wants the, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. I'm not going to stop him. we got to let him have the Black Man. He'll go, oh, i got to get the Black Man for him. I think that might be illegal. we got to do it. Ah. But eventually, yeah, they go over. They they tell Jack Brown what the plan is. Brown protests a great deal. Like, he's like, no, I have dignity. I'm a human being. I will not be purchased or sold. And they're like... We had an entire civil war about this. Yeah, and there's one point where someone's like, look, the kid's in town for a week, and then you're done with this. We're just going to pay you to be around the kid for a week. 
And, and that's when they start just handing him 20s. They start to say, yeah, and he keeps going, well, it's so light. My hands are so light. They feel like this is a very light hand. And I, I, again, I got that's like a three-minute routine. Yeah. It's, again, just a lot of stuff where you're like, yeah, I got it. You said the joke, and then you said it again, and you're going to keep saying it, and I understand that. It's not going to come back around to being funny, though. No, it's just going to get slowly worse. Uh, it, but yeah, it, it's funny because after that one part where they're like, yeah, we really just want you to sort of vaguely baby, the kid's going to think you're his toy, but really you're just sort of being in the room with him until he leaves in five days. You'll be fine. You're fine. It's going to be fine. And then after that, it goes right back to this kid owns me. I am a, I am his property and people will call me an it. It's very strange because they start paying him. They're like, oh, you're going to be basically a glorified babysitter for a while. Yeah. And he's like, all right, fine. You're giving me a lot of money. And then they're like, all right, wrap him up and put him into a fucking box to be delivered. Yeah. Which, what the fuck? Why are you doing that? <laughs> yeah. And then as soon as he gets out, starts the first of like seven different scenes where he attempts to quit and someone with money goes, but I will give you money. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And every time he's like, how dare you? I have dignity and you can't. You can't expect me to just let this child do whatever he wants with me. I'm not property. What if I gave you slightly more money than I was currently giving you? Oh, well, then obviously I would stay. Yeah. And a lot of the time, it'll literally be the next scene when he quits again. Like, he'll be like, fine, I'll accept money to do this. And then he'll walk back in and the kid will be pulling some minor prank on him, like dumping a bucket of water on him or something. He'll be like, ooh, I can't stand this. (laughs) Rasa, frassen, griffle, graffle, frifflin, frizzin, fratin, dat. And then he'll just turn and walk back out again. You're like, all right, all right. Um, so, yeah, at this point, the kid owns him. The kid, uh, young Master Bates, is the flick from Christmas Story. And they've got him as high-pitched as they're allowed to trebleize a kid's voice after the fact. So well, yeah, he, he was, sounds like fucking sandpaper in your ears. He's supposed to be nine years old in this. Uh, Scott Schwartz at the time was 14. Yeah. So they kind of tried to pitch him up to make it seem like he was younger. It feels like that's a 70s and 80s kid movie thing where they just automatically pitch the kid up if they can't just fucking cast an adult woman to do the voice instead. Well, yeah, because they were just like, all right, well, we want a kid to do this. Kids that are actually nine suck to work with. Yeah. So we'll get a teenager and then just <laughs> figure it out later. Don't jack their voice up. Just let them have a teenager voice. It's so awful. Uh, he sounds the he's he sound, it makes him way more annoying of a character than he needs to be. Which he is supposed to be an annoying character. Like yeah. his whole deal is, oh, I'm a kid who has literally never been told no. Yeah. Who is the only thing his father has shown him is. Oh, because you're rich, you can get away with whatever you want. Yes. So we get a lot of do you know who my father is type stuff in this. And who could possibly stop me? I'm I'm the son of of US uh US Bates. I no no yeah. one can touch me. I'm Eric Bates and no one can do anything to me. Yes. And we get just scene after scene of like, all right, Jack Brown gets talked into staying and watching this kid. This kid does something mean or stupid and not even like real bad just not, like yeah, just, you just, know college level pranks maybe like the big, the biggest recurring gag in this is that he will dump oatmeal on uh on jack brown's head yes and this is just like a line too far yeah. this is too much for him to get some oatmeal on him and i'm like dude if someone was saying hey man i'm gonna give you like at least to start in this one 
1982 money to watch this kid for a week. I'd be like, yeah, if he wants to dump fucking oatmeal on me, he can dump oatmeal on me. I do that I'm for about 20- to lose my house. I'd do that for 2023 money. I don't give a shit. I'll just sit there with my phone. Fucking do whatever, kid. Yeah. You're like, oh, uh, I'm going to stay in your mansion. You're going to feed me and house me for a week. And all I have to do is deal with your kid for this week. Mm-hmm. And you will give me $2,500. Oh, and, and uh, just to put icing on the cake, you have never heard a word your child has actually said, right? So if he comes in there and tells you I'm not doing whatever, you'll just be like, ah, no, no, no. I'll give him extra money. Whatever it takes. Nothing, Nothing's too good for my boy who I don't like. <laughs> nothing's <laughs> too good for my boy except me. Yeah. <laughs> so... So uh, yeah, I, but I, even the day he gets there and has like he tries to Jack twice. delivered, yeah, he has a party. Like that's right, yeah, he has a party with a whole bunch of just random rich people showing up at his house for no reason. And this is the first of a couple points where you're like, "Wow, you only have one week out of the year, and you couldn't be arsed to be like, oh, I'll set some time aside." Yeah, he schedules three parties during this week. Yeah, it, it's wild. Uh, at this point, we might as well talk about the rest of the cast of the house. We have the old Br- uh, British butler, who is not important, but is amusingly always drinking off whatever platter of alcohol he's carrying around. Yeah, Barkley is walking around, and just no matter what scene he is in, he always has a small glass of some kind of alcohol. Yeah, he's pretty un- inflappable, and, and uh, the one bit of business he gets is when he we find out that uh, U- U.S. Grant has a British butler because he won him in a poker game. Yeah, or pool, pool, pool game. Yeah, billiards. Yeah. Billiards, very different than pool. Yes. Not, not snooker. Um, we have his his third wife, Fancy, who is, you know, far too young for Jackie Gleason, and they've got her all boobs out everywhere. Yep. Uh, and she is uh, basically just supposed to be playing ditzy. Yeah, she's just a, a ditzy blonde who's happy to be there. Mm-hmm. And she does have a mean streak, though. No, she has one scene right now at the party where you're like, wow, you're a fucking asshole. But then it, nothing before that or after that. Yeah. It's just a weird thing. They're like, oh, we need yet another reason for him to say he's going to quit. So we're going to do this. Yeah. And I, I think what was supposed to be happening with that sequence was that uh, U.S. was either ignoring her or telling her that she was crazy or that she didn't know how to tell stories or something. So she was just getting a little revenge on him. Uh, and then you also have, I, I don't know what she is. She's like the governess or something. Oh, yeah. You have... Uh, only referred to as Fraulein. Yes. His essentially, I guess, nanny. Yeah. That uh, is, the whole joke is, she's German, and she wants to have sex with Jack, and also she is definitely not a Nazi, wink. Yeah, she's mean to everybody. She is con- She's another character where all they could think of to give her is just constant chatter to do. So anytime she's on screen, she's like, Nine, you shall get in the bathtub and not get out of the bath. Do not get in the bathtub with your clothes. Oh, you will get dirty. I will tell the master immediately. Okay, you can stop that. (laughs) One line, please. You mean me? Yes. Okay, I'll stop. As much as you have bitched about it in the thing, you keep chattering. (laughs) I really want to convey this. I want to convey that it is awful and you should stop. All right, fair enough. Thank you. All right. But the... Yeah, her whole bit is like, ooh, one time they accidentally opened the door to her room and there's Adolf Hitler on the screen. And she just turns and goes, I know nothing. Yeah, like, so a little clink line, sure. German. And then anytime she's, even for a second, alone with Richard Pryor, she's like, yeah, come on into my room. I'll give you a bath. I Tell me, is it true that they're big? I want to, oh, you yeah. must be a filthy boy and that kind of stuff. And he's just like, oh, for God's sake, leave me be. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll, you go draw the bath. I'll be in there in 10 years. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. 
In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Yeah, it's just that. So she's she's got a real nasty case of wanting to bang this guy. Yep. But also hates super racist about it oh for sure yeah because she's supposed to be a nazi so there you go there's a bunch of people that are in the house that's the house and at the party eventually they jack and eric get into one of several like just motorized child cars yeah, that this got, kid like, has 50 fucking go-karts than the shapes of various vehicles that are scattered it was like the easiest thing they could think of for they, for mayhem causers they made five of these for the movie and they could actually go up to 50 miles an hour and i was like holy shit i want one of those that's well, rad why I, I assume it's just because I mean, every toy in this has to be big enough that you can have uh Chris, or richard Pryor interacting with it exactly but i mean we've already had at least two scenes with these fucking things because there's the part when he first gets him when he drives him around in the ferrari one and Knocks over a tray of food. Well, yeah, that's what happens right now. Oh, is that, is that the one? Okay, I yeah, because he drives the down the stairs and knocks over a big thing of food, which is what gets uh, fancy to show up and be right. like, "Oh, what the hell's going on over here?" Yeah, because they're like, "Ha ha, Jack, that was your dinner. Now you don't get dinner. Yeah, your ha, dinner's ha, ha. on the floor. Your you don't get to the, eat." Yeah, you know, I'm like, dude, it's a butler in a rich people house. He's just gonna go get you some more. Yeah, you never have Alfred being like, "I'm sorry, Master Wayne, I shall not prepare additional <laughs> pancakes." Oh no. Your sandwich fell on the ground. There's no longer food in the house. <laughs> this sandwich and my desire to make more are as dead as your parents. <laughs> but yeah, fa- when Fancy sees what's going on and Jack is in matching Spider-Man pajamas with uh, Eric mm-hmm. and she just grabs him and is like, here, come with me and presents him to the room full of important rich people that U.S. Bates has gotten in there and is like, look, look at what U.S. did. This is the new toy that he bought for his kid. Isn't he so generous by buying this man? Yeah. And you're like, wow, fucked up. Okay. I'm sure, she, I'm sure he'll replace all the regular toys now that we can just buy and sell humans, right, U.S.? And then U.S. Grant, of course, sputters, gets up, Bates. drags U.S. Bates. No, Ulysses S. Grant, the yeah. president. <laughs> the, the, the Yeah. No, Bates gets up and drags them both out of the room. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? And she's like, no, I thought it's, I just think it's great. I just I was to bragging. Show yeah. Um, at that point, uh, you know, Brown's had about enough again. So he's like, fuck this. I'm leaving. The little boy's like, no, don't make me leave, Jack. Don't leave, Jack. You can't leave. Please stay with me. Oh, but by the way, do leave through the side door, because if you leave through the front door, there's a bunch of photographers. If you leave through the front, that's where all the drivers and everything are. They'll see you in Spider-Man pajamas. And the reason you're leaving now is you were embarrassed and you'll be more embarrassed if they see you. Mm-hmm. So go out the side door. And when he does, it just trips an alarm well, and he no, locks he the door behind the, him. He pulls an alarm that Eric is the moment he gets outside. He closes the door on him, locks it and pulls his, uh, pulls a burglary alarm uh. j- just because he's fucking with with Brown some more. The burglary alarm calls, causes all the drivers to come around and see him and be like, that, that guy right there, careful, he'll assault us. He might be on the marijuana. Yeah, there's a black man here. Oh, no. And you're like, okay, I get it. Yeah, 1980s, I understand. Louisiana, it's fine. It just goes on way too long. I'm not allowed to do the thing anymore, though. No. So, uh, so anyway, but just, you know, there's a lot of business. Just so there's much fucking ADR just a, business. Just imagine that if anything happens in this, it happens too long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but at that point, he's like, 
no, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. I can't do this. And again, fucking Bates comes back and is like, but what if I gave you more money? The other thing is that when the alarm gets tripped, it happens in the dining room too. And he's just like, must be something wrong with the electricals. Let's keep talking about rich people jokes and so on. And we find out he's like under federal indictment or something. Um, and then uh, Eric also, because he realizes that the alarm has not pissed off his dad. Yeah. The dad hasn't come out of the room yet. Yeah. And this is all just to piss off his dad. Yeah. He also pulls a sprinkler system and floods everybody in that room. Yeah. Um, and Bates is finally like trying to light a cigar and he can't cause the lighters won't work in the rain and he's nothing, nothing will make him engage with his son. No, the amount of acting out that happens in here is enough to make Bates just go, ah, oh, well, I got to get that Jack guy back because otherwise I might have to talk to this kid. Yeah. So he hauls the two of them, Jack and the kid into a room and he's like, you kid, you go to bed. We're not, I'm not talking to you. And Ugh. then Jack, how much money can I pay you? And then Jack knocks over his domino thing and he's like, oh, oh you, you, you're like, come on, dude, seriously, Jesus that's a, your room is full of dominoes. If you don't want people touching your dominoes, have meetings in another room. You need a domino room. <laughs> get your own domino room. <laughs> And the weird thing is, he has it in his office here, and then it's also at his office, like, in the Work. office building. Yes. I'm like, why do you have multiple setups of dominoes that you've done? the only thing in my life that brings me love. I mean, honestly, if you were like, oh, I never had a childhood, because I also grew up, you know, clearly with a parent that was super wealthy and never gave a shit, and dominoes are the one thing that I had as a kid that were a toy that brought me joy, or it's like the one thing my parent did with me. Mm -hmm. Okay, I would get that. Yeah. That's never mentioned, no, though, because no. that would be character building. This character is very static and has no growth or anything. No, the worst thing about U.S. Bates is he's awful and gets worse as the movie goes on and never better. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it just has this unresolved ending that's just wild. So, yeah, he basically is like negotiates with him and settles on $2,500 for him to stay for the week. And, you know, that's enough that he's like, okay, great, sure. Now we get a montage of him kind of bonding with Jack or Eric. So we, we start to see this sort of thing happen where uh, Eric is jumping on him, and he, but, but he's like, all right, I'm putting up with it. And he's also teaching him lessons now where he's like, look, Eric, you can't keep acting like this. What's wrong with you? Yeah. And we get. You know, uh, a little bit of that, but before the kid can even really super learn his lesson, he does more stupid bullshit pranks, like dumps yet more oatmeal, has mm -hmm. a dog pee on his leg, a little dog toy. Oh, that scene. That scene where he's, where the part, the, the dance, dance version of the original party is now happening again downstairs. And Pryor is sitting in a big pile of toys, just rambling about fucking nothing. Yeah, I, and mean, I, it, I think they just thought it was funny. The the idea of the rant was fine because he's like, "Oh, I'm such a dumb asshole. Like all of you uh, stuffed animals here, this is it for you because you know this year at Christmas everyone's gonna want the Jack Brown. I'm the asshole everybody wants to buy." Mm -hmm. And the idea of him lamenting his decision to become a toy is like, okay, that makes sense. But because it was very clearly not part of the script, it's just him kind of mumbling half-formed thoughts yes. on that. Yeah, it just goes on and on as he just mumbles away. And for some reason, the dog toy peeing on his leg is like just too much for him to handle and he's like i'm gonna quit and i'm like what the fuck is going on yeah it's just like his latest this time he's not gonna quit he's gonna spank eric 
Ugh. So he picks him up and hauls him over. This is the one they they had their turn. And Eric's like, no, no, Jack, please, please don't spank me. Don't. I don't want you to spank me. And I was like, that's what a 14-year-old would say in this scenario. But sure, whatever. Uh, and he doesn't. Instead, he's like, look, you can't keep treating me like this. I'm not property. I'm a guy. You and I can, we could be friends through this instead of this. But you got to stop just torturing me. I'm not your friend. If you want me to be your friend, you have to act like a friend. Well, yeah, he's like, oh, we, we're going to go do this. And he's like, no, if you want to do something with a friend, you ask. You don't order friends to do things. Yeah, because the big the big turn moment was when he, uh, the air hockey game, when they're playing air hockey, and he's like, for each goal I score, you got to stay with me for a year, and for each goal you score, you get one less year. And, and ja- if you win, you get to just leave yeah. and keep the money. And Jack scores one goal, and he just goes, ah, okay. And he just I'm watched, done. I'm done. I'm not playing that. Why would I play that? If I lose, I don't get to keep you, so I'm not going to play that. Yeah. And th- so anyway, yeah, he's l- basically identifying all the negative traits of the kid, and he starts to help to correct them. He becomes an actual friend of the kid over a montage of them driving around in more of these 50-mile-an-hour go-karts. <laughs> and to fucking joke about piranhas that is the stupidest thing. It is so weird, because the whole setup is basically just there to be a visual callback to the Andy Griffith show. Yes. Because both of them are walking towards a lake to fish Mm -hmm. and so you're like oh this is the opening of the andy griffith show okay yeah that's the one joke you had and then you also decided to throw in that his dad put piranhas in the lake to keep out the hoi polloi says this nine-year-old yes which okay once too he's like the hoi polloi were a real problem so my dad put piranhas in the lake or the creek to chase away the hoi polloi and i'm like i understand that that. if if a nine-year-old heard someone say hoi polloi you bet they would be like oh that's the greatest well, thing spe- i've ever especially heard especially if he doesn't know any other word for them like yes. what do you call undesirable people the hoi polloi that's the, I, that's, I, that's the one term my dad used yeah so that's the only term i know so you're gonna hear me say it a lot uh but yeah he's like there's no piranhas in that lake god damn it and i'm gonna walk into that lake in my entire clothes to prove you wrong and i'm like why why would you why would you care and it's a nine-year-old line. If a nine-year-old's not... like, there's piranhas in that lake, you would go, oh, no, I better not go in there. I'll play along because I'm a decent human being. And I'll be like, fuck you, kid. I'm walking into there. <laughs> like, both of you are assholes at this point. You, your lying is is more important than my fucking shoes. I'm going in that lake. I'm walking in full jeans and T-shirt into there. <laughs> it was a scene where I was like, man. In this day and age, you'd have to do a bit about how he took his cell phone out of his pocket. Oh. But even then, I know he's ruining his watch. But the- then he goes in and, oh, no, he goes, ah, ah, there's piranhas. We don't have the money to show them piranhas. And then he does the, they, they show a visual. Speed get, up the film. Speed up the film and have him run across the surface of the water to get back. Yeah. Which is a weird gag because there's no other heightened realism moments in this. We get, I think, two sped up film moments in this movie. Yeah. And this is one. But this cartoonish moment of him running across the surface of the water to get back, and his shirt has a million tiny holes in it, but he is fine. Yeah. It is one of the the things in here I'm like, if that was the tone of the whole movie, yes. if everything was like that, then I would be more forgiving of like the the maid scene where he's throwing chicken around, because I'm like, oh, it's a cartoon. The, the whole, whole thing mo- is yeah, supposed to movie. be like this. Yeah. But this isn't monkey bone. It's like half serious. Yeah, half of it is about like, all the the real pressures of society and how capitalism can break a man down and force him to do things he wouldn't otherwise and the owning of black people and what someone will have to do in order to get by. And then the other half is bullshit. Yeah, it just doesn't make a lick of sense. But they run into Ned Beatty's character down there, Morehouse, 
fishing by the lake, and he's all sad because he had to fire a good family man. Yeah, he's just drunken fishing because he's like, oh, I, I told this guy, I told him, but he was insistent on shaking Mr. Bates's hand, but, you know, he has sweaty hands. He's got very sweaty hands, so as soon as he shook U.S. Bates's hands, U.S. told me to fire him. Yeah. And he's super sad about it. He's just like, oh, that guy was... He was a family man. He had a wife and kids. No, oh, what's he going to do? And again, he's he's a fucking ex- VP of accounting. He's yeah. going to get another job. He's fine. Who but, gives a shit? Yeah, but he's above the line. But, uh, but you know, it's fine to be sad about it. Uh, and, and this is the point where you can see the turn happen for Jack Brown, where he's like, okay, now I also want to fuck with this, uh, this U.S. Bates guy. This shall not stand, sir. And his son is getting mad. Eric's on board with messing. Now he's. Eric switches from I want to mess with my dad for attention to I want to mess with my dad because he is genuinely a bad person. Well, yeah, we have like a scene where Jack essentially teaches Eric how to walk on stilts, mm-hmm. which is sort of like it does the same function as the I'm going to teach a kid how to ride a bike where like eventually they start doing it on their own, even though yeah. you were holding the back like, oh, you're riding on your own. Hey, I'm going to teach you some self-reliance and then also we're going to hug it out and we're going to like each other now. And you get that, but instead of a bike, it's stilts, which is a weird choice, but okay. They spent all their bike money on that one bike scene from the beginning and a bunch of go-karts. <laughs> uh, we got no more money for bikes. We got to use stilts. Bikes. We, we spent all the money on piranhas and then it turned out that we couldn't use them in the film. Uh, uh, we also get a great scene, great, of uh, Eric asking uh, Jack about sex. Yes. Which is just abhorrent, where he's just like, yeah. You have a you have a, a girlfriend, right? Do you, how do how often do you mate with her? And he's like, "What mate with her? I'm not an animal. I like that's not something we do. We, we humans make love." And he's like, "Yeah, but how do you put? You know, he's asking her about what do you his do with thing. your thing? What do you do with your thing? I heard if you don't make it with a girl once a week, you're you you die. Is that uh, is that true?" And he's like, "Oh my god. Okay, no, none of this shit you're here. This is all military school bullshit, isn't it? Yeah, this it? is all boys nine year old stuff. I'm like." Yeah, this makes a ton of sense that this would be the type of dumb horse shit that he has heard. Yes. Because it's all just a bunch of other very rich young kids where no one gives a shit about them and they're just making up whatever the fuck they want. Yes. But he likes a girl from another school and he's like, I just want to know how I can be in a relationship with this person. And just tell her you love her. I'm like, you know what? Nope. Be nice to her. <laughs> that's that's good advice. Yeah, he's like, but the just part where be he's nice. like, tell you love her with all of your heart. <laughs> it's like, nope, don't do that. That's not where you start. I mean, <laughs> if you're nine, you could, I suppose. That's, it's not going to matter. Yeah, you would be like, let's hold hands. I love you. We're married now. You're nine. It's not going to hurt. No, no one gives a shit. Yeah. But he's like, oh, if you like this girl, then tell her you like her. Be nice to her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, don't worry about making it or anything like that. Try not to purchase her. <laughs> Try not to buy this person. Yeah. No, it's, it's again, it, there's a whole bunch of scenes of them eventually being like, oh, I was acting out because I didn't have a decent influence, but you're fine. And I like being around you. So they become friends. Yes. They, they turn into friends and there's a plan that hatches at this point to make a newspaper together. Yes. He's going to teach him about journalism because at some point in the past 45 minutes, uh, the book that, that uh, Jack Brown was writing has turned into him being a serious journalist. Yes. He studied journalism and he's written articles. And so he he's a journalism man now, not mm-hmm. a not a book writer. A, he's a journalist. Yeah. As if they just kind of forgot about the book thing. They're like, we said he was a writer of some kind. I don't remember what we said 
we can't possibly find it out. It can't be author, though, because U.S. Bates wouldn't hire a guy just to be an author. So it has to be like he owns a newsroom. So yeah. he could be hired to be a journalist. I would have figured you'd just get a job in advertising. It'd be the easy. But no, he has to also own a full newsroom. Yeah. He, he owns an entire news press. So yeah. they eventually decide, oh, well, based on the stories of you know his dad letting people go, and they find out the story of him meeting Fancy, which was just, what the fuck was that? Oh, I was driving through Texas. And I stopped somewhere and found a sexy waitress and decided to marry her. Yes. And and for some reason, that story takes like 10 minutes of this movie. And it has nothing to do with anything. And you keep expecting it to be something where Fancy like realizes that she's just the next trophy wife or I- anything. And nothing happens. Instead, he's just like, yeah, I don't want the staff to hear this story. But I married this waitress because she had propellers on the tips of her boobies. And she has this moment where she realizes that he never noticed the propellers. Well, yeah, because he's like, like oh, she had little metal things on her chest. She's like, those were propellers. It was an airplane-themed restaurant. It was called Fly By Night. How did you not know this? Right, but but he doesn't care, and then neither does she. No, because eventually she's just like, and then, uh, you know, he married me, and I got lifted out of poverty, and, you know, that's the American dream come true, yeah. is some rich guy marries you and you get money. So all this bit where she's, like, grumpy that he doesn't recognize that she had propeller pasties on is just nothing. No, the whole I scene doesn't Jackie matter. Gleason making shit up again. And it's, again, a scene where, at the end of the movie, Fancy hasn't learned anything. U.S. Bates isn't nicer to her. They're still in the same shitty relationship they were in at the end. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. None of this matters. No, it's it's just an improv scene. It just goes nowhere. And it's not like that article, that interview shows up in the newspaper. The newspaper is all about his business practices. No, it shows. Does it? Okay. Yeah, there's, right. there's the article that's, how he met his wife. There's the articles about like he fired the head of the wait staff who gave prior his costume was one of the people that got fired. And she was like, you know, a week from retirement or whatever shit she was going to have. Right. And when it, they're like, oh, I was going to have a pension that would take care of my kids. And I was like, man, remember when that was a thing? Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't. This came out the year I was born. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so they get their newspaper written, and it's a bunch of mean articles about U.S. Bates, uh, and they start distributing it all over town. I don't know how far we've been talking. Oh, so. it's been a a while okay. that we have talked. Great. Well, then, yeah, that that's basically what happens. They they, they start distributing the newspaper. Uh, U.S. Bates gets word of it and has them both hauled to his office where he starts yelling about what they did, but he's just like, look, son, obviously you're going back to military school. Uh, and if, if you, and he's talking to Jack, if you help me collect all these papers and burn them and shred them, there's a job for you in my newsroom, but also you can't keep working with my boy to take me down anymore. And Jack folds like a house of cards. Yeah. He's just immediately like, all right. Yeah. In this scene, he also makes fucking Morehouse drop trow. Cause he's like, oh, I'll get you for libel. Don't you know what that is? And they're like, all we did was tell the truth. He's like, no, the truth is what I make it. Yeah. I'm rich enough that reality is what I say it is. Yeah. If reality says this guy needs to drop his pants, he does it. Morehouse, drop your pants. Yeah, and Morehouse is like, really? Do I have to? Yes, you do. If you want this job, you do. He takes his pants down, and then Pryor goes right up to Beatty, right to his face, just like, man, is it that bad out there? Worse. And it's a callback to when they both said that to each other earlier in the movie. But here's the thing. That's like the last scene for Ned Beatty. I mean, he's in the party scene later, but this is the end of his story. He doesn't, Bates doesn't learn a lesson. No, he doesn't apologize. Nothing happens. Morehouse keeps the same shitty job. Now, Jack basically gets fired at this point. Mm -hmm. 
and goes back and he's like, fuck it, whatever. And then they come back and are like, all right, no, we need you to be with my kid. $10,000. We'll fully pay off your house. Yes. Yeah. He's like, fine, fine. I'll do it. I'll come back. And then the movie just goes fucking berserk. And at that point, we had sort of in the background heard that U.S. had been like investigated for something on a federal level. Yeah. And so he throws a party where he invites the uh, Democrat senator that is looking into him Mm -hmm. to his house and then without telling him also invites the Grand Wizard of the KKK and his whole plan is to have this huge thing. Both of them think it's a fundraiser, whether it's a fundraiser for the KKK or for the Democratic Party. But he's like, oh, my whole plan is to essentially get a picture of this senator shaking hands with the Grand Wizard of the KKK so that I can blackmail him into not, like, doing any indictment on Exactly. Him. So he's so he pulls each one of them aside independently, and the senator's like, wow, I can't believe you'd even truck with a Democrat for even a second. And he's like, whoa, whoa, don't spread that word around. Let's keep this under our hats. And then the Klan guy's like, hey, U.S., great to see you again, because unlike you and that senator, you and I are clearly great friends, and you had my phone number. <laughs> you managed to get me to show up here and i feel fine about it yeah and he is like oh well let's let's keep that under the hat we don't want anyone to know about that yeah and then uh fucking uh, jack brown's jack brown's wife shows up in her van because she's gonna protest because the clan is here yeah and there's a bunch of security guards trying to stop her and she's out there like we have a legitimate right to protest that's the fucking clan and you know they're trying to keep her quiet so that the senator doesn't catch word of anything and that's when out of nowhere, Jack Brown comes running out of the house. He's like, baby, baby, don't, don't protest. Don't. I got this. Let me, you got to I'll, I'll take care I'll of this. I'll take care of it. What's his plan? He's going to drive around in a go-kart and throw cake at people and pull the fronts of dresses off of ladies. He's just going to cause general mayhem. Yeah, it's just I, him and Eric drive around and fuck the party up. And that's and it. And then. That's it. Say, that's all. Well, I mean, he does at least go, oh, hey, Senator, that guy's the Grand Wizard of the KKK, BT dubs. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, excuse me. I gotta do some more Benny Hill shit. <laughs> this causes u.s grant to get so mad that he gets in a golf cart and he's like i'm gonna kill you and he's like chasing him around and, and uh eric's like dad don't kill me i'm not i'm gonna kill that guy it's just that that stuff until he fucking just falls in a pool and that's the end of the scene like, yeah they have to rescue him from the pool end of scene yep and then the next scene is him being like hey um jack brown just goes to u.s and is like Hey man, if you want your kid to like you, you should probably, I don't know, have any sort of physical contact with him. Maybe give him a hug and let him sit on your lap and talk to him about actually things. Actually discuss anything with him. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, well this the scene opens with US carrying a big rifle around. Yeah, he's cleaning a rifle yeah. when uh Jack gets in. Yeah, and after they have a long long scene of him being like, "No, don't shoot me." He he's like, "I'm not. I, you saved my life. I owe you a favor. We're just going to talk. That this is a this is a conversation." And Ugh. uh you know, the, we're at the point where we're at the denouement of the movie. He basically tells him, hey, you should be nice to your kid. We'll never see that. Yeah, he's like, look, what you got to do is, you know, give him a hug. Let him sit on your lap. Talk to him about things. Actually engage with your child. And he's yeah. like, huh. Uh, I, I guess I could try that. And then, of course, he's like, try it with me right now. I'll be your son. I'll jump in your lap. And that's when Fancy comes in and is like, I didn't know you, you kinky were. You bastard. Yeah, just that. Okay, fine. Uh, I get it. Yeah. Don't like it, but I get it. Um, <laughs> and that's a wrap on Fancy. That's that's she's done. She's she her learned. last scene is thinking that her husband is going to fuck Richard Pryor. Uh huh. Great. 
Anyway, Richard Pryor's back at his house when U.S. and Eric pull up in a... Oh, no, I'm sorry. We have to go to the airport. The airport scene. Because... U.S. takes him to the airport, and he's like, son, I'm going to be nice to you. Yeah, he's like, okay, uh, kid, how about, you know, next time you come out in like a year, what if we took a week vacation and went to Europe, huh? We go to London or Paris or Rome, and I'm like... Whatever, he's fucking nine. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care about any of that. He just really wants to hang out with his dad. But he also, as Pryor does correctly point out, when he when he's like, no, dad, no, and he gets out of the car and runs away, he runs to Richard Pryor's house. How the fuck does he know where that is? Um, I don't know. And uh, he just, ha- he you know, he got into a taxi and said, yeah. take me to Richard Pryor's. And the <laughs> taxi guy was like, all right, well, I've been working in this city for 50 years. I know where everyone lives. Here we go. <laughs> Yeah, but he gets there and Pryor's immediately, or Jack Brown is immediately like, no, I know what you're doing. You have to go to your dad. He's trying to be better right now and you need to give him the chance to. You have to meet him halfway. And I'm like, no, you don't. He's learned nothing. (laughs) His dad is still a piece of shit. Just words. And there's been no repercussion for that whole trying to blackmail the governor with the Klan thing. Nope. Nothing has come of that. We've seen zero comeuppance for U.S. Yeah, the, the biggest comeuppance he got is that he fell in a pool. Yeah. Great. You got slightly wet. You're still a billionaire and no problems. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, you got to meet your dad halfway. You can't do this thing where you come running to me and be like, I'll never give my dad a chance because you're going to have to. And it feels so unearned. Yes. The entire speech here, which is supposed to be this like, oh, I've learned how to deal with kids, but I've also learned, you know, oh, your dad loves you and he just doesn't know how to show it. I'm like, yeah, he doesn't. And you haven't taught him how and he doesn't know anything he's still just like ah my idea of how he how i connect with my son is we'll go to europe and probably i don't know go to fancy restaurants or whatever and shit that he doesn't care about yeah yeah so uh eventually the limo pulls up and gleason gets out he's like jack yeah i can't thank you enough but yeah i love you i I love you son and you you and i are gonna be friends now and next year you'll have two weeks to stay one with him and one with me. Mm-hmm. And and Jack's like, or Eric's like, yay, yippee, you hear that, Jack? I'll see you in a week, hooray. You're like, oh, come on. Uh, and then they drive away, and you're like, okay, it's over. And that's when another car pulls up with another rich lady who's like, hi, my son's also an unrepentant piece of shit. Can you fix him? I heard you did it. I, I heard you're real great with kids and getting them to not be little pieces of shit. And then he, that's our second sped up thing as they speed up the film, as he runs down the street away from the car. He just goes, no, 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 not no, again, no, 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 not again, no. And the uh, joke of the second kid is he pops out with a dart gun and says, like, like uh, eat this, sucker, or something, and fires a dart at him. Yeah, and there's darts on the screen for the credits. Mm-hmm. What a wonderful wrap-up. Mm-hmm. God damn. This sucked. I cannot... Uh, the fact that there were no repercussions and no lessons learned, Jesus Christ. All right, let's get into our bests and worsts, as that is probably going to be in mind. Uh, what is the best thing in the toy for you, Jeff? It's weird to have a movie that stars Richard Pryor and not say it's just him, you know? Because, like, the dude ruled. Like, his stand-up is so fucking good, and his writing is so goddamn good. Um, but, I mean, the best thing in this movie is probably just Ned Beatty's sad performance when he realizes he has to fire a guy. I mean, yeah, when they find him sort of, like, drunk by the side of a lake and he's sad about firing someone you're like oh at least they pathos they did some character development on morehouse a dude that didn't matter to the story yeah weird yeah and it's just it's a a nice scene where he's like please just leave me to drink i don't 
uh, this life I'm living, I, I I don't feel like a real person anymore. Yeah, he's like, I'm just a stooge to a guy who's an absolute monster, and I have to live with that. Yeah, so that that that's probably my favorite single scene in the film. Great. What about you? Uh, I'd say, I already said one of the jokes that landed for me. The other joke that landed was when his girlfriend shows up at the party with the clan. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, Angela, Jesus H. Christ. And Eric just goes, is that her full name? And I'm like, you know what? It's a dumb joke. And I laughed. Yeah. I don't care. You got one laugh out of me, movie. Fair. Very fair. All right. Angela, Jesus H. Christ, her full name. (laughs) He's a little rich kid. So all he's ever met is characters named like, you know, H.R. Puff and stuff and other rich people names. (laughs) You know, rich people names Uh like H.R. Puff and stuff. (laughs) Uh, or, you know, like Ambrose or old Wayne Thundercock. Yeah, that kind of thing. Long names. Rich people got long names. All right. What is the worst part of this movie for you? Um, I mean, I already said it and you already yelled at me for it. It's the incessant, never-ending mumbling that feels like it's supposed to be improv and jokes, but is just goddamn noise. Yeah. I, I am one of those people who's like, oh, if you've got a comedian in a movie and you're like, let him improvise some lines, let him do some shtick. I'm like, great. They're comedians for a reason. They've got some good comic timing. Let them do it. But so much of the shit included in this just felt like instead of them going, Oh, I had an idea and I'm going to do it. It felt like someone told them, Hey, can you fill time? And they're like, I guess it's a lot like when you seek out like the works of Justin Roiland that don't have a bunch of writers and directors and stuff behind them. Oh. And it's just him just talking and make, doing three voices at once. And be like, Oh, I'm Bill Cosby. And I don't like the other Bill Cosby. And, uh, you're like, Oh my God, just pick the best one. <laughs> pick a joke that, and do that joke. That's when you let comedians improv. That's what you do. You're like, we'll keep the camera rolling for a while and then we'll pick the best bits. Yeah. You don't go like, we'll let the camera roll for a while, and whatever you say is in the movie. Yeah, the fact that he, they're just like, oh, we'll let Richard Pryor mumble weird nonsense for three minutes, and that's fine, that's good enough. Use it all. It's all in. We don't care. You can tell there's even points where he stops and starts again, because he's like, oh, here's another take you could use. Yeah, he's just mumbling something, he's like, I don't have a punchline for this one. All right, I'm going to start again with a different premise. Yeah. Why is all of this in? (laughs) So, yeah, for me, it's just the endless improvisational chatter that doesn't have any jokes in it. Okay. What's your least favorite thing? Oh, my least favorite thing is 1000% the end speech where he's like, you've really got to hand it to your dad. I'm like, nope, you under no circumstances need to (laughs) hand it to U.S. Bates. No. That man is a monster and is unrepentant. Yeah, the fact that his last scene before he's like, son, I loves you, is like, like, hey, take your pants off. I'm in charge of everything. Like, oh, what's the last scene we got to see him in? Oh, he was attempting to use the Klan to blackmail a senator. Yeah. Did anything happen from that? No. He fell in a pool. Oh. And then he made Ned Beatty take his pants off. Well, that was before that. <laughs> yes. But all of it is just like, man, you're you're the worst, and you've learned no lesson. There's been no comeuppance. Yeah. You, you got to be the worst person ever. And you were rewarded for it. I hate this. Yeah, no, it's not great. I mean, I agree with you completely. That sucked, and I hated it. It's just that, for me, the other one just was like the whole experience of the movie was just oh, people for sure. just prattling on. No, that that made the movie worse to watch. Yeah. And my thing was just like, 
oh, there was a point that this movie was sort of trying to make, and then it absolutely undercut it at the end. Yes, you know, you're absolutely right. This was not a good movie. I always figured that most of these Richard Pryor movies from this period were good. Now I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. I mean, the thing is, I feel like a Richard Pryor movie where he was on the writing for it like would be much Like Battles, for example? Yeah, because this was just based on a French film, and then they got someone else to write the screenplay. He just was in it. Yeah. So, eh. All right, let's go ahead and rate it. Let's each give the movie a rating from zero to five to get a total out of ten. Jeff, your rating. One and a half. I mean, there's some jokes in it, and it's you know a real movie with real people that I often like in it. But ultimately, it has got an abhorrent message. Yes. Uh, and unrepentant characters that learn nothing, and, and it doesn't make a lick of fucking sense. So one and a half. Yep. I I mean, I'll give it a two. I wasn't as annoyed as you were, mm-hmm. but it still is just like, God damn, what a fucking waste of everyone in this movie. Yeah. And the fact that you're like, oh, this seemed to have something it wanted to say about, you know, so many different topics and then just didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it feels it, it keeps like it keeps teeing things up and yeah. then not hitting it. it. It'll faint towards the, so like being like, hey, this is going to be incisive commentary about the South or something. No, no. Oh, is there anything at the end of this movie about like the reason why it would be bad to try and buy a person? No. no. In fact, it was great that he did. Yeah. Everyone's very happy about it. Yeah. No, it's, it's just dumb. So there you go. <laughs> Three and a half out of ten mm-hmm. for the toy. An unfortunately very bad movie, and I, I wish it wasn't. Yeah, me too. So there you go. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, we will be back in another couple weeks with more Movie Mastery. Mm-hmm. If you want to suggest a movie for the list, you can get at me at a couple different ways. You can tweet at me at Gurglespasm. Yeah. Uh, you can also just go to our Discord. If you go to at System Mastery on Twitter, there's always a permanent link to our Discord there. We've got a great group of people there. And if you just at me on our Discord and say, hey, I want to add whatever to the list, 99% of the time it'll get on there. Yeah. And if you want to know what's on the list, there's a pinned uh, comment in that Movie Mastery thread where you can go to the list and see what's on there just so you know. Hell yeah. And, of course, we've got more content. If you want to support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash system mastery. Any level helps support the show. Anything you can give is great. Mm -hmm. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. But also, every level you support unlocks more and more bonus content. And if you want our TV mastery, that is at the $10 a month, you get Three extra shows that come out. You get two extra shows per week based on that, plus an extra monthly show. We get so many shows. You unlock a bunch more stuff in our Discord for extra channels and things like that. Hell yeah, you do. And it's a great great way to help us do the show. It's much better than listening to it off-feed and having to hear the ads and so on. Why give money to whatever? Yeah, you get ad free yeah. for any level on yeah. the Patreon. Why, uh, why, why listen to those ads when you could just send the money right to us and get ad free listening and exactly. help us do our live our lives? That'd be really great for you. And of course, not everyone can support monetarily, but you can always tell people about it if you like the show, mm-hmm. rate and review, all that. And we will be back in another couple weeks with yet more movie mastery. And until then, all of you have a good. One. 